Here's my father, Dr. Stephen Olford, with today's message, The Bible for Spiritual Food. And it's a pleasure to be with you again as we continue our study on Back to the Bible. This time our subject is The Bible for Spiritual Food. You see, the scriptures teach that man has been created with a moral nature which cannot be satisfied with anything less than spiritual food. This explains why the world can never satisfy the human heart. And indeed, this is what the Lord Jesus meant when he declared, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Without spiritual food, the soul starves and ultimately dies. This fact is even more meaningful in the Christian's experience, for as we shall see in a moment, newly converted people need the milk of the word, while those who are more developed require the meat of the word, if they're to grow and mature. The tragedy of modern Christendom is that multitudes of so-called believers are underfed and overworked. This explains the unbelievable dropout from the churches of our land. Quite clearly, then, the most urgent business on the religious agenda is to get back to the Bible. To understand what I mean by spiritual food, let me read two portions from the Word of God. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3, and Jeremiah 15, and verse 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. Aristotle once said, The mind as it came from its maker was organized for truth as the eye to perceive light and the ear to hear sound. You see, truth is the sustenance of man's moral nature. Without truth, the soul withers and perishes. This is why the Lord Jesus came into the world to be the truth for men and women like you and me. Now, Jeremiah, God's ancient prophet, sensed his need for truth in an hour of adverse circumstances and antagonistic opposition. His heart cry in his dilemma was, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. You see, Jeremiah knew his need for soul food or spiritual food. And from his testimony, we learn that spiritual food must be accumulated. Thy words were found, he says. To accumulate this spiritual food, we must search the Holy Scriptures. Thy words were found. Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. There is no other source of soul food than in the word of God. For this very reason, the scriptures are likened to milk and meat. For those who are only young in their Christian experience, the Bible says that they're to desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. And for those who are farther on in the spiritual development, there is the strong meat of the word. But the word of God will only yield its milk and meat to those who search its pages. Tell me, how do you read your Bible? May I suggest to you 
my simple plan. For my own devotional discipline, I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Now, if I'm speaking to those of you who are very young in the Christian faith, perhaps you ought to start in the Gospel of Matthew and read through the New Testament, or perhaps even start in the Gospel of John. Don't read more than a chapter for your devotional discipline. Make it just one chapter or several paragraphs. Read the verses, first of all, generally, with your eye on what is being said. Then secondly, read those same verses specially. In other words, zero in on more concentration. And then thirdly, read them personally. Consider that the Word of God is soul food, spiritual food, and you're looking for something. You're searching for something. Ask yourself questions like this. Is there a promise for me to claim? Is there a command for me to obey? Is there a blessing for me to enter into? Is there some new revelation about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? What is God saying to me from this particular chapter or this particular verse or this particular sentence? And then don't leave the Word of God until you've received something. And to show that you have received it, jot down those thoughts. We must search the Holy Scriptures. But we must not only search the Scriptures for soul food, we must seek the Holy Spirit. Paul reminds us that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. He that is spiritual means he that is indwelt and controlled by God's Holy Spirit. You see, it is the function and ministry of the Holy Spirit to take the milk and meat of the word and make them palatable to the soul of man. So if we would accumulate soul food or spiritual food, we must search the Holy Scriptures and seek the Holy Spirit. Only then can we know what it is to be satisfied at the deepest level of our personalities. But I want you to notice that Jeremiah goes further than this. He reminds us that spiritual food must be appropriated. Thy words were found and I did eat them. Food accumulated and not appropriated goes stale. This is what Paul means when he says, Knowledge puffeth up, but love edifieth. Truth must be appropriated before it can be assimilated. Let us then consider in simple terms what we mean by appropriating spiritual food. First, there must be meditation on the truth of God. Thy words were found and I did eat them. The happy man is described in Scripture as a person who meditates on the law of God day and night. Now that word meditation is a favorite one in the Old Testament and literally means to chew the cud. Just as a cow or a bullock turns over in its mouth what it has already accumulated in the fields, so the child of God must turn over in his mind and heart what he has searched out from the Scriptures. For you know the Bible says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Where there is no true meditation, there is no true life 
activation. But observe further that with meditation on the truth of God, there must be application of the truth of God. Thy words were found and I did eat them. The essential meaning behind the eating of the words is that of applied truth. All through the Bible we're warned not to be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. It is in the act of obeying that there is true happiness and harmony of living. You see, there is no substitute for obedience. Before we balk at this word obedience, we need to restudy in the Gospels our Lord's attitude to the Scriptures. We shall not go very far before we discover that as a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. In his walk, he was obedient to the word of his Father. He could say, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. He never took a step without the revealed will of his Father. This is why his ear was open to the voice of his Father every moment of the day. Indeed, he never started a day without opening his ear to hear the voice of God speaking to his heart through the Holy Scriptures. Then in worship, he was obedient to the will of the Father. He could say, They that worship the Father must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He never prayed without submitting to the will of His Father. This was supremely demonstrated when He knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane and cried, Father, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. Then again in his witness, he was obedient to the word of God. He could say, The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of the Father that dwelleth in me. All throughout his ministry, he repeatedly appealed to the Old Testament scriptures. Then once more, in his warfare, he was obedient to the word of God. Think, for instance, of the threefold temptation in the wilderness when the devil attacked him along the line of the spirit, along the line of the soul, and along the line of the body. His answer every time was the word of God. Be gone, Satan, he cried, for it stands written in scripture, you shall not, you shall not, and again, you shall not. How true is the record that he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. For our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there was no substitute for obedience. And if that was true of him, how much more of you and me? So we have seen what we mean by the application of the truth of God. This is what is meant by eating the words. But assuming that soul food has been accumulated and appropriated, we learn from Jeremiah that this spiritual food must be assimilated. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. You see, truth is assimilated when the evidence of meditation and application are seen in behavior patterns. What is true in the physical life can be paralleled in the spiritual life. When we eat food and assimilate it, the result is obvious to all who have eyes to see. 
Now, Jeremiah makes this very plain in the language he employs. He tells us that when spiritual food has been assimilated, there is, first of all, the resplendence of divine life. Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. There is nothing more dazzling or scintillating than a joyful life. A merry heart doeth good like medicine, Solomon tells us. Show me a person whose heart is full of joy, and I'll show you a personality, an individual, whose spirit, soul, and body are resplendent with divine life. This is the unanswerable argument for genuine Christianity. There is nothing to compare with a truly joyful Christian. With this resplendence of divine life, there is a second manifestation. There is the resemblance of divine life. For I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. Now, in these words, Jeremiah is telling us that such was the effect of the word of God in his life that people identified him as Jehovah's man. It stands to reason that when a soul is truly nourished on heavenly truth, there must be a corresponding heavenly resemblance. A famous doctor has said that we are what we eat. If this is true of natural food, how much more with spiritual food? Can people detect from what we are that our source of nourishment is the Word of God? I have been a pastor for many years. In South Wales, in the British Isles, I served for some seven years. Then later, seven more years in the great city of London. And then 14 years in New York City in a metropolitan church. So I can claim to understand something of what happens in a local church as the Word of God is expounded and ministered to the people Sunday by Sunday. And you know, one of the greatest thrills I know is to see the face of a congregation literally change. Here are people who've just come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've bowed in repentance at the foot of the cross and in faith and obedience have yielded their lives to the incoming Savior by the Holy Spirit. And they're born again. And that's wonderful. But I've seen those same people come into our discipleship class and begin to imbibe, inculcate the Word of God and to feed on the Word of God. I've taught them to discipline their devotion so that day by day they had their own quiet times. And then, of course, they've sat under the public preaching of the Word of God. And you know, it's a tremendous thing just to see their faces change, see their behavior change, see their whole personality change, not only with a resilience and a resplendence, but also a resemblance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that should be happening in every life. You remember how Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, says, I travel again in birth until Christ be formed in you. You see, he had already traveled in prayer to bring these Galatians to birth. But now they were born again. He traveled just as much to see Christ formed in them, to see them pass through all those stages to a maturity and to see the glory of Christ come through. Paul teaches the same truth 
when writing to the Corinthian church, he says, we all with open face beholding as in a mirror, and there the mirror is the word of God, or shall I say the glory of Christ seen in the word of God. We all with open face beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, the glory of the Lord, are changed from one degree of glory to another, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So there are degrees of glory right down here. That is progressive sanctification or progressive glorification from one degree of glory to another. A change coming about. Why? Because of feeding on the word of God. So we have seen what we mean by spiritual food. It is the most vital commodity in the whole makeup of personal and social life. We can never face the confusion and corruption of modern society without the moral strength which comes through feeding on the word of God. This is spiritual food in the highest sense of those terms. To live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is to conquer. Let us see to it that we can say with Jeremiah, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Have you a place? Have you a time? Have you a spirit of expectancy in your daily devotional life when you come to the word of God? Is it the attitude of Jeremiah? Listen again. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. And the proof of it is, everybody calls me by your name, O Lord God of hosts. They identify me with your name because your nature, your character, your holiness, your love, your gentleness are being seen in my behavior patterns. That's what happened to Jeremiah. Is that happening to you? May your prayer and mine ever be bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Well, we're so glad you've been with us today. And Dad, as you began your message, you said, an amazing statement. You said, in modern Christendom, one of the greatest problems is that most Christians are overworked and underfed. Now, I thought that was an interesting statement. Now, why does this happen? And is this a church problem or an individual problem? I believe it's part of our own nature because we're activists by nature. That's why it's so hard for a sinner to recognize that he cannot effect his salvation. He has to quit, he has to surrender, and he has to repent from his sins and accept God's salvation on the basis of faith. We are saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. That carries over into the Christian life. And that's something that happens on the individual level, but sometimes on the church level. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why in our ministry we are encouraging and equipping pastors and teachers and preachers to focus on the great need of preaching and teaching the Word of God faithfully to feed the people of God. Right on target. Well, Dad, there have been many interesting advances recently in medicine, 
related to nutrition. I wonder, have you seen the same passion in the church for advancing spiritual nutrition? Unfortunately, no, David. There are the wonderful exceptions. But there's no question that the saying by a famous doctor, you are what you eat, is true in the Christian life. Because as we nurture our souls on spiritual food, as I've pointed out in this text, thy words were found and I did eat them, and they were the joy and rejoicing of my heart. The fact of the matter is that we're not doing that. And so many Christians don't have what we call the daily devotional life, the quiet time. They don't know what soul food is all about. Jesus made the greatest statement on this in the course of his temptation in the wilderness. Man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's the very basis of our sustenance. This is David Olford. You have been listening to a message from God's Word delivered by my late father, Dr. Stephen F. Olford, who went to be with the Lord in the year 2004. If you wish to learn about our online resources or learning events at the Institute for Biblical Preaching, our web address is olford.org. That's O-L-F-O-R-D dot org. You also may want to benefit from our online video training on expository preaching, which can also be found on our website. Thank you so much for listening.